debate the back of the RB1 class with a look at Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, Aaron Jones, and Nick Chubb on today's episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone and welcome in to another episode of Fantasy Football in 15. I say another episode, but this is an episode unlike any other. It is Friday, so happy weekend. And also, sports are back in our lives with Major League Baseball opening day happening yesterday. Now a full slate of MLB games today. NBA regular season games back in a week. Hockey right after that really does feel like we're getting back to a sense of normal in the sports world. And we hope the NFL is right around the corner after that. As well, I'm Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper, DVR. Happy Friday, my man. Happy Friday, indeed. It's great to have baseball back, and hopefully, as you said, football will be following suit here in the very near future. Yeah, man, that's what we're all hoping for, and very excited that we are getting all these sports back after four long months. We are going to wrap up what we've been calling debate week here with a couple of big name running back debates, four big names. We did this on Thursday with four big wide receivers and that was a lot of fun. So we thought we'd run it back with four big running backs. Uh, We'll talk about all four of these guys in comparison with one another at the very end of the show, but we're going to chop them up into two separate debates to start the show. The first one Miles Sanders against Kenyon Drake. These guys are both going as late first-round picks in NFFC drafts. Since July 1st, you've got Miles Sanders as the RB8, an ADP of 9.51. Kenyon Drake right after him, the RB9, with an ADP of 10.75. I like both these guys. Both these guys are going to end up on a lot of my teams, but in this debate, I could only have one. I'm going to take Kenyon Drake. DVR, you've got Miles Sanders. You take this one first. Why Miles Sanders over Kenyon Drake? Yeah, I mean, they're next to each other in terms of NFFC ADP. I'm with the crowd here if I'm making this particular decision. I do like Miles Sanders a little bit more. You know, I think there's a lot that's been made of Doug Peterson leaning a lot on committees during his time as the Eagles head coach. But I think that's got more to do with the personnel they've had at running back than his actual desire to mix and match personnel as much as he has. I think what we saw from Miles Sanders down the stretch last season, uh, 15 carries per game between weeks 13 and week 16. A really nice role in the passing game that kind of started up all the way back in week five. He showed us that he can be a three-down back. I think he can easily be a 20 to 23 touch player per game. I think that puts him legitimately in the first round. This ADP, while it's a big leap, I think he absolutely deserves to have it. We're talking about a guy that last year was averaging 4.6 yards per carry as a rookie, and he caught 50 passes. And I think a lot of times we worry about rookie running backs and how they handle pass protection, and that sometimes keeps them from getting out of the field in those situations. Clearly, that's not an issue with Miles Sanders. So we've talked a lot about pass catching on this show in both half PPR and full PPR leagues and the added floor that brings to the table. I think Miles Sanders can catch 75 passes. I think he can easily get to that sort of level. That's the way they use him. You look at the other guys in the backfield right now. Jordan Howard's gone, so the greatest threat to those valuable goal line carries is no longer in the picture. Boston Scott, to me, is a complimentary piece in the passing game. I don't see him being much of a threat at all to take away carries. So you have the goal line role, you have the bulk of the carries between the 20s, and you have a guy who's a capable pass catcher. 
with some explosiveness too. It's not like Miles Sanders is just one of those guys who's four yards in a cloud of dust. He actually can get away from people once he gets into that second level, can do a lot of damage. I like the offensive line, and I like the offense as a whole. I'm still a Carson Wentz truther. You know, I think the thing I like about Sanders as well is the way he's used gives him a chance to jump up into that elite tier of backs, the Christian McCaffrey, Saquon, Zeke cluster in the beginning of the first round. And when you have a pick near the back of the first round, that's what you're hoping for with a running back. You don't want to just tread water and break even with that pick. You want the kind of guy that puts you over the top, that gets you on the same level as the owners who had the opportunity to draft one of those first three backs off the board. Yeah, you're not going to hear me say a bad word about Miles Sanders, other than the fact that he went to Penn State. Come on, Miles. If you're going to go in the Big Ten, we all know there's only one school to go to, and it's in Madison, Wisconsin. But I love Miles Sanders, and I do agree with you on that last point you made. I think that his backfield touch percentage in Philly could get him into that CMC, Saquon, Zeke territory where we're talking about him as a true workhorse. So I'm not going to say a bad word about Miles Sanders. I will happily take Miles Sanders this season, but I'm only going to turn to Miles Sanders if Kenyon Drake is already off the board, and let me tell you why. Eight games with Arizona after finally getting freed from Miami last season. What did he do in those eight games? 123 carries, 643 yards, caught 28 balls for 171 yards, and eight total touchdowns. This guy was on a monster pace. Uh, From those eight games on, he was the running back four in half PPR, full PPR, and standard leagues. No matter what sort of format you play, he was a top four running back in the eight games that he spent with Arizona. One of the knocks that has been on him from people who aren't quite buying into his ADP, uh, (coughs) Jake Seeley, (coughs) uh, is that he did a lot of his damage in just a few big games. And that is true. I can't rewrite history. That is definitely true. He had a four-touchdown game against the Browns. He had a 166-yard, two-touchdown game against the Seahawks. Uh, But I don't see that as a liability. Number one, Every great running back is going to do more damage in big games, and you want guys who can go out and single-handedly win you a week. If you're going to be spending a first-round pick on a guy, you want him to be able to put put your entire team on his shoulders and win you that week. We saw that from Kenyon Drake last season. Number two, if you look at the circumstances behind some of his lesser games, you see easy ways to excuse them for him. One was a 34-7 loss to the Rams where they were just out of it right from the start, and really never had an opportunity to get the run game going. One was a 23-17 to loss to the Steelers, one of the best defenses in the NFL last year, and a game that the Cardinals trailed by two scores for most of the game, including getting down 10 nothing in the first quarter. Another game where it's just hard to get the running game going. There was a game where Arizona scored 27 points, but it was against Tampa, and again, it's surprisingly, you maybe already have forgotten this, Tampa had one of the best run defenses in the NFL last year. They shut down a lot of good running backs, and you look up and down their division. I mean, Christian McCaffrey had some of his lesser games of the season against Tampa. Alvin Kamara had some of his worst games of the season against Tampa. This was a defense that was actually able to protect and guard against the run very, very well last season. Another one of his lesser games was a game against the Rams where he still gave you 60 yards and a touchdown on 12 carries. So there are ways that you can excuse Kenyon Drake's play in those games. I mean, you balance that against how great he was in his big games. I am not worried at all about the unevenness of his production last season with the Cardinals. Now you take him over into this year. He's had a full year 
to be with this team, to be with Cliff Kingsbury. He's not going to have to adjust on the fly the way that he did last season. There's continuity for him with his head coach, his offensive coordinator, and his quarterback. And not only continuity, but continuity in what is a rising, ascending, potentially explosive offense this season. I don't think any of us would be surprised to pick our heads up in December and see the Cardinals among the top five in yards and points this season. You add DeAndre Hopkins to the mix, I don't care if that takes away a little bit of Kenyon Drake's overall volume because that is a plus for everyone in the offense. When you add another elite player who can help you move the chains, can help keep drives going, can take some attention away from all the other guys, that is a big, big plus for Kenyon Drake and for everyone in the offense. I think Cliff Kingsbury is probably already one of the best play callers and offensive schemers in the NFL. I don't see Chase Edmonds as a real threat when he came back from injury after the team acquired Drake last year. Just two carries over the final five weeks. And I admit at that point he was still a little bit injured. Arizona wasn't going anywhere. They probably want to see what they have in Drake. But still, two carries in five weeks. The guy's going to get more touches than that if you really do think that he is a big part of your offense. I really do think he is akin to what Boston Scott is in Philadelphia. A change of pace guy, you know, another option complimentary guy in the passing game, but not a huge threat to Kenyon Drake's overall value. If I look at this as a tiebreaker, I say, which offense would I rather be invested in this season, Philadelphia's or Arizona's? And I lean toward Arizona's, and that helps push me toward Kenyon Drake over Miles Sanders. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because I I think with Arizona, the other lingering concern I have is offensive line play. Are they going to be average, better than average, or are they going to be worse than average? And I think the best case scenario for me is that they're kind of an average offensive line, but I think Kyler Murray and some of the explosiveness they've added to this offense could help to offset that a little bit. Uh, I do like Drake. I wonder what happens as his workload scales up, even, even going back to his time in Miami. He's never been the lead back for an entire season before, even though he's flashed really interesting skills. So I think that's part of my hesitation with him as well. Definitely a fair argument, and this is a fair argument. Weigh in in our poll that will be attached here on Twitter. We've got one more group we want to get to. It is Aaron Jones and Nick Chubb, two guys who are also back-to-back in ADP. Aaron Jones at 13.77 overall, the RB10. Nick Chubb, 14.33 overall. The RB11, I will be arguing on behalf of Nick Chubb here, so I will take it away. Um, This guy has never been anything short of excellent in his NFL career. We're talking about uh, a third-year back who has 5.1 yards per carry, over 490 career carries. And it's not as though one season was huge and the other season was merely good. As a rookie in 2018, 5.2 yards per carry. Last year in his second year, 5 yards per carry. This is a guy who is one of the best pure runners in the NFL, and we don't give him that credit. We talk about guys like Derrick Henry, like Christian McCaffrey, of course, like Saquon Barkley, and Nick Chubb's name never seems to be in that conversation, but Nick Chubb was on his way to a rushing title last year and likely would have won it had the Browns not shifted in some of their offensive philosophies under Freddie Kitchens about halfway through last season. He was going to be the rushing leader, not Derrick Henry, and then they dialed it back a little bit. Obviously, Kareem Hunt had a little something to do with it, but Nick Chubb, one of the best runners, has real breakaway speed. You don't run for touchdowns of 92 yards and 88 yards as he has done in his career unless you can 
pull away from DBs. This is a big guy who can break through the line and then pull away from the faster guys on defense. He really does everything you ask for out of a running back. I do worry a tiny bit about Kareem Hunt. I can't pretend like Kareem Hunt isn't going to be a threat to what Nick Chubb will do in the passing game. But even if you look at what he did in eight games with Hunt last year, 144 carries and 691 yards. We're talking about just shy of a 13 or just shy of a 1400 yard pace, excuse me, in eight games while sharing the backfield with Kareem Hunt. So he's still going to do plenty of big time work with Hunt next to him. You got to like the improvements they made on the line with Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin. Kevin Stefanski used Delvin Cook as much as he possibly could while he was the OC in Minnesota. Love that he brings that mentality to Cleveland. I am not going to say a bad word about Aaron Jones, just like I wasn't going to say a bad one about Miles Sanders. You can look back at my rankings from the Athletic last year. I had Aaron Jones as the RB5 going into the season. So I love Aaron Jones. I just like Nick Chubb a little bit better. Yeah, I think the weird thing for me here is that I think Nick Chubb is a better all-around back than Aaron Jones, but Aaron Jones is in a better situation because he doesn't have a Kareem Hunt looking over his shoulder, taking over passing down work especially. I think that's such a valuable part of any running back's floor. And this is Kareem Hunt's a guy that's won a rushing title before too. So it's not like they can't use him more on the ground uh, if they want to. He's certainly capable in that facet as well. But with Aaron Jones, three years in the league, the efficiency's been there year over year. I think there's still room for him to do more as a pass catcher. He got up to a career-high 49 receptions last year. I think there could be one more gear, maybe 55 or 60 catches are actually within reach. A lot of people look at him and say he's going to be very touchdown dependent because he had 19 scores a year ago. Uh, that huge game against Dallas back in week five, that certainly drove up those numbers a bit. That was a four touchdown game for Aaron Jones. I, I think he's probably a 12 to 14 touchdown guy, like regressing him back to the, the mean, but he's going to make up for that with a little bit more in the passing game and maybe even a little bit more in the ground. The selection of A.J. Dillon just kind of puts Jamal Williams on notice. I think Dylan and Williams are those larger, powerful backs that take over a few short yardage opportunities. But when you look at the usage of Aaron Jones, you don't see a guy that disappears around the goal line either. So I'm not really concerned about how that backfield is put together. You still have Aaron Rodgers under center. It's an offense that became a little more run heavy last year as well. And I don't think they're going to shake things up all that much in terms of run pass balance this year as well. So for me, what it really comes down to is that Chubb has to deal with Kareem Hunt and Jones's competition for touches simply aren't as talented. When you look at these four guys, what's interesting about them as a group is that they comprise the back end of what I think is the reliable RB1 group. Uh, because right after them in ADP, you've got Austin Eckler, who I have some questions about now that Phillip Rivers is gone. Josh Jacobs, is he going to be really significantly involved in the passing game? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, someone who I don't want to touch at all. Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, guys we've talked about. So these are really the last group of guys who you feel pretty good about being not only your RB1, but I think a true RB1. So when we look at all four of them together... Might be hard to pair them both. Maybe if you're on the turn, you can pick two out of these four guys. But other than that, it's going to be hard to do. So, DVR, if we compare all four of them, give me your ranking, one through four, Sanders, Drake, Jones, and Chubb. So I'm probably a little different than most here. I actually prefer Jones from this group, then Chubb, then Sanders, then Drake, which is wow. really odd since both yeah. Jones and Chubb <laughs> go later than Sanders and Drake. And what it turns into is a game theory exercise. If you're picking in that 8, 9, or 10 spot and you're looking at Sanders and Kenyon Drake and Chubb and Jones are still out there, you probably pivot. You probably take a wide receiver in that mm -hmm, spot. Mm -hmm. 
and then coming back through, you get what's left of those backs. So I think that's the most likely path for me as I look at them. I don't think there's that much of a gap between Chubb and Sanders for what it's worth. I think of this group, I just worry about Drake for some of the reasons I mentioned. I think sure. Arizona's offensive line could slip, and I think maybe I'm looking at Chase Edmonds and definitely seeing a guy who was hurt down the stretch last year, and maybe that's why he didn't have as much of a role. Plus, Kenyon Drake had fresh legs anyway from uh, limited usage in Miami, so I, I think that made it really easy for him to kind of max out his per-game workload. So I do see Edmonds as a little bit of a threat to Drake as well, and in the first round or early part of round two, that's always something that's going to steer me away from a player if I'm not completely sure. I'm going to rank these four guys, Drake, Sanders, Chubb, Jones, but incredibly close. I mean, incredibly close. And I don't think any of them is that far behind Derrick Henry. And frankly, I would rather have all four of them than Joe Mixon. Uh, so I think these are great players. I think these guys are all worthy of being first round picks. I will be super confident in any of them as my RB1. And like you said, if I am at the back end of the first round and all four of them or even three of them are available, I'll probably just go wide receiver and let whoever falls to me fall to me because I think all four of these guys are definite, lock it up, feel great about them, RB1 options. And that is going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Those of you out there in the free universe, please do rate, review, and subscribe to this show. Also, if you're not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get 40% off your first year subscription at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15. We'll be back with you next week. Have a great weekend.